Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. If we can stop thinking about life and relationship as a linear pattern, you know, you're born, you go to school, you get married, you have a family, you know, and then you go, you pass see life as more of a journey or opportunity with tributaries into a river than each one contributes to life that is water that's flowing in you. And sometimes divorce is seen as a very chaotic end point that you just have no future and you've failed at everything that you've put your heart into. And I want to free you all from that weight of that storyline and just consider it's a piece of trauma, a piece of crisis and heartache that manifest in all people's lives in different frameworks. And it's not the only human relationship experience that causes pain. If it happens to be yours, you're not alone and your life is not over. Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney turned mediator, Lisa Kosky for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now your host, Lisa Kosky. Welcome listeners. I feel so blessed today to have Lauren Reitzema with me. She is a communication expert. She's an author of a book, In Their Shoes, that I love and have read. I've heard her on Ron Deal's podcast. He talks about blending families. He's amazing. He's been a guest on this podcast way back when. But Lauren, I'm so looking forward to just getting to know you better. I want to hear your authentic story because there is a reason that you are helping to shine light on what kids go through when they're going through something like a divorce. And something that I hope we get to touch on a little bit too, because this is part of why I do what I do. When I do a mediation, I am hoping that I am teaching the parties communication skills So that in the future, when they go out and remarry, they are never sitting in that seat to divorce again. And I think you might have some tips that will help us with that as well. So listeners, this is going to be such a treat. Lauren, welcome. Thanks for being here. Please share your story as to how you became this communication expert in this field. Well, Lisa, those are such gracious words. I always worry when the word expert is attached to education. <laughs> However, my story does, it did kind of launch me into the desire to be proactive about acquiring more operationalized and skill-based resources for how to do relationships better. I am a one of four children and a child who grew up in a quaint mountain town in Colorado with lovely elk bugling in my backyard and and lots of different community exposure and safety and and wellness and all the things that we really put as ideal standards in developing a legacy in a family. And as I was living my life in a family of six in this community, I recognized that something changed when we left this town and moved more to the bigger city of Denver. And my parents started 
projecting some different patterns toward each other and creating a more for front and center picture of some some underlying conflict. And we thought it was just, you know, parents were having disagreements and learned quickly after a family vacation announcement that my parents were formally separating. And at that point, we had high hopes that some counseling and some really proactive intention would help mitigate whatever was hap- was happening in their hearts and that we would live our happily ever after. But I did not have that story. And after a couple of years of counseling and separation, my parents filed for divorce when I was turning 16 and getting my independence and driver's license and all that autonomy that you look for. And I was faced with a brand new paradigm in a world of a different framework and housing and custody agreements and all of that. And in turn, went to college, really feeling a little bit worried and kind of shattered that I was needing to learn something in life that would actually change a heritage and a legacy. And all I wanted to be successful was to not get divorced in my future. And I actually, I think happen, in happenstance, I, I found myself interpersonal communications class at TCU down in Fort Worth, Texas. And I fell in love with the study of communication and have gone on to become vocationally involved at the Center for Relationship Education, where we train and teach relationship skills to people across the country and around the world with curriculum and certification to be proactive and preventative in our health. And so ultimately, my parents' divorce impacted my understanding of relationship patterns and heritage and legacy, and not just in a romantic context, but in all facets of life. And it is my delight and joy to be married to my husband, Josh. We've been married 16 years now and have three little kids who are not so little anymore, almost 13 daughter, 10 year old son and a four year old. And so we have toddler to teenager and wow. to model what we teach and do it with, with a little bit of grace and space to learn ourselves because no one is ever perfect. <laughs> when it- Amen, sister. You know, I love hearing. So this had a profound effect on you because it sounds like when you went to college, you were already focused on this is what I want to do. You knew from what you had been through. And I can't help but ask, I think I heard you say that your parents were separated for two years. That's a long time. So they must have been very devoted to trying to make this work. You're absolutely spot on. I, I, you know, I remember, I think when you think about divorce and you walk through it, whether it's internal to your own family narrative or you're walking with about and you're watching some of the heaviness and the weight of the word and the trajectory it puts you on. You you make these assumptions that you have this big fight in the kitchen and then you get a lawyer and you're filing paperwork the next day. And I believe in the human spirit, everyone desires reconciliation first and they want to everyone wants to honor their vows. They want to honor the person that they at some point had a loving connection with. And yet the stress and toxicity of not knowing how to do that is really real. It's a little bit of a tension and a tightrope because you don't want to dismiss that you're giving up on something that you promised would not happen, or maybe you don't think should happen. And yet you're very stuck and the trauma and the pain of it you need an escape. And so it's, it's hard in this line of work in creating and crafting, whether it's from a romantic context or even breaking up with a, a job that's toxic for you, right. the human spirit wants peace and we want connection and we want that 
world where everyone is truly being kind and loving well, and very few of us are ever exposed to resources to do the how. (laughs) And so we feel conflicted and it was a journey and it was a battle. And there were times of high, high hope and expectation where there were periods of romance or connection that I just thought we had glimmers of this is going to go the direction we want it to. And then there were times where it just the floor would drop and we thought, who are we even observing right now? Because the patterns that we're watching in our own parents are so foreign to us and almost like an out of body Mm -hmm. movie that this is not my family. This is not my household, but it really was very real. So they told you they separated and then for two years they tried to work it out and then they came back to you. Is that how it happened? And said, you know what, we're actually going to go through this or... I feel like some of the memory loss of the actual, I remember like yesterday, the conversation about the separation, it was very Mm -hmm. intentional. It was in a space that was not our home. And we had, I just remember how I felt. I remember what I was thinking about. I remember how my siblings reacted. I remember watching Mm -hmm. each of my parents process, but I think because of the incremental stages and steps and those micro griefs of acceptance that happened along the way that by the time it was an official narrative, it felt it wasn't quite as formalized as a milestone. It was more, I truly can't remember, was it a conversation or a family meeting or was it on a vacation one-on-one? I don't remember which parent told me. I just knew that it was very finite. And I knew that I had to let go of the hope for reconciliation. Was there any relief in that or no? In my circumstance, I would say no in that moment because I didn't see consistent negative patterns in my upbringing. I think there's a myth that those couples that go through divorce have this see it coming and they, you, it's almost a relief because you get out of all the crisis. But my parents handle the conflicts from a very deep and guarded place in their own, I guess, intimate expression of what was going on in their hurt. And that was not exposed to us as kiddos. And so for me, I really felt like I got hit by a Mack truck and it was completely contradictory to the storyline and the reality that we lived in a healthy interpersonal dynamic. We didn't have a traumatic childhood or a lot of toxic patterns that we were witness to. As a matter of fact, I, I felt very confused and I remember feeling angry because my parents had gone as far in their reconciliation stage or or journey toward that to promise us that don't worry, we will never split up. Don't worry, this will not happen. And I think that their grit and my parents are both high, high capacity, brilliant people who have a lot of skills and were successful in so many aspects of everyday life that I just never saw them failing at their Mm -hmm. marriage. And so when it was real, I think it was a little bit of that shockwave meets patterns. And I realized, okay, I've, this is real and Mm -hmm. I'm needing to figure out my new normal, even though it's not what I want. I totally understand. And I totally understand why you held on to so much hope during that two years, because it sounds like they were so dedicated to staying together. So now let me ask you, there's probably parents listening that it's so scary to tell your kids right? So they've come, they've done everything they can. They've come to the conclusion they're going to move forward. And I know it's different, different ages, but do you have any advice on how to tell your kids 
that you're getting a divorce? That is such a big question and very emotion driven because the one thing that I find is the more, most painful, sometimes even more painful than the adults conflict and the heartache that happens between that couple is the pain of knowing the pain you're going to cause your children. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen a couple different strategies in those that I've talked to, and by no means have I covered all the ground, but I think I know something's not to do. I'll start there. (laughs) (laughs) What what not to do. And then there's a little bit more flexibility in what maybe could be done. But one of the things that I've seen as a, a desire to protect the children is to just avoid the concept altogether and make the physical changes or, you know, have one of the partners move out and then never clearly and courageously communicate what's happening. I think that some parents may feel that without specifically saying, we are getting a divorce, here's the date certain, and this is the impact on you. It almost feels like, well, if we just keep living, then the kids will hold on to something. And and it's shocking to me that this happens, but I have seen it as a desired protection, but I think it does a lot more damage to the kids because they're, regardless of their age, they're a lot more intuitive than we give them credit for. And they feel it in their core. They feel dissonance, the dissonance, they feel the tension, they feel the weight and they carry that. And so you as a parent need to help lower and lessen the strain of the burden that they're carrying because it's not their job to carry the burden of adult issues right. as a child. And so what not to do would be avoidance or um, giving partial stories. Kids need concrete. They need they need dates and times. They need certainty. And they don't do very well with metaphor or those types of nuanced conversations. And so I would set a date and a time and give yourself a context in which you're going to have the conversation. So for us, we were on a ski weekend and we were in a hotel and we skied as a family like we always did during the day. And then we had a family gathering. And although it was very, very challenging, and I still remember the way of the conversation, I appreciated my parents' certainty and clarity. And they gave us opportunities to ask questions and they respected our process. Uh, whatever that immediate reaction or coping mechanism was, it was different for each of the four of us. And they had almost prepared themselves and practiced their language and their rationale. And I, I can respect them a lot for that because it gave us clarity, even though it was hard. So a date and a time certain, I would say is helpful. And then potentially a place that is a little bit more nuanced or neutral than your home base, just because they're always going to remember this conversation and whatever they attach to it. It's nice to have an escape from that place in time. It's uh, just, you're never going back to that moment because it's only forward from here. So, you know, trying to not to pick a public restaurant that might. Right. <laughs> be right. Um, Something that's private, but maybe not a place that, you know, if it's the end of their bed and they go to bed every night and they're always going to remember that conversation when they hit their, their pillow. And so I just, that would be my two cents on that question. That's great advice that I have not given. I have lots of tools that I throw out to people, but I never thought about that. And, um, really, really good to know that because it will impact them and they will remember it. And I love how your parents did it because, What I find is the kids 
want to know, they want to understand it and they want their questions answered. And, you know, if you can do that and be prepared, you know, and, and like your parents did and planned it with a trip, I mean, that that's amazing. So one other thing I'll add, Lisa, that I, I failed to mention is try not to put those sound bites of hope too soon in the dialogue. So for instance, we're getting a divorce, but you're going to be okay. We're getting a divorce and it's not your fault. We're getting a divorce, but this is best for our family. We're getting a divorce and it's you're going to have two Christmases. So get excited about because I think what happens is we try in the vein of protecting the hearts of our children. We actually rob them of the experience of loss they're about to hear by quickly painting that hopeful narrative that may not have the guarantee of of goodness and of, of health and of joy and all the things that we know happen in the long run of healing post-divorce that it's not, you're not wrecking your kids forever. We all are resilient and can bounce back, but the timing of those hopeful sound bites may not be right in the delivery of the message. I would implore you to be in the moment with them and say, this is so hard. And this makes me cry just like it makes you cry. And this isn't what we wanted. And I know that's hard to understand but we're in it together and I want you to be able to feel exactly how you feel because this is this is new for all of us as opposed to scripting why it's going to be so great. And yeah. that can be a challenge. And so good what you just said. And I just think back, so I'm like a grandma now, but I've actually talked to my kids about this. I never wanted them to feel pain. So I would have been the worst. I would have, it's okay. You'll have two puppies. You'll have, <laughs> and now just learning they do need to feel that. And it's, you know, you need to feel the pain. It's not going to kill you. And so you bringing that up brings that to mind. And that is something that will make me better mediating too, to be able to share that. So thank you for that tool. So now I want to ask you a little bit about, we're moving kind of quickly. And I really, really think if you're going through this, get this book, I'll have it in the show notes. But now I want to start thinking about you know, when you start dating, we talk about it when I do a parenting plan right at the beginning of a divorce, how they're going to introduce a significant other, when, what's the time frame. And I love it when people will plan it out. Can you talk about that a little bit? It's such a great question. And I think it's one that many people hold on to and, and need advice for. And here's, I just always like to share that I'm coming from a perspective of a child whose parents were divorced, but I have never yet and hope to proactively prevent it in my trajectory to tell you from a firsthand experience of starting a dating relationship post-divorce. So I'm going to just share from a child's perspective. and I think that will be helpful. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I noted, so in my particular experience, both of my parents chose a dating path that was at different speeds. My dad ended up uh, finding a new chance and a second shot at being loved well but much sooner than my mom did and had a lot more, I think, openness to the idea of remarrying. Whereas my mom for a long time said, I had my legacy and I, my kids come first and I don't want to get remarried and I never will. And then her, my stepfather came a little bit later in her life and she realized she didn't want to keep putting off this opportunity to be in partnership with somebody who cared well for her. And so depending on the pace of it, you're going to come approach it from a different angle. If you are more of a faster paced person who feels like the closure has happened and you're ready to date, I would say that is probably 
where I would expect to brace for impact with a little bit more of feelings of potential frustration, resentment, abandonment, because all of a sudden you're like, wait, what happened to our family? Wait a minute. You you had babies with this person and you picked where I go to school and you took me to soccer practice and we built our whole family and traditions. And now you're all of a sudden just, it makes you question the bond and the strength of the relationship core that that child was birthed out of. And so it come across as insensitive or a little bit uh, tone deaf to just start that new person right away. So I would be cautious of your motive for wanting to date. And if you're feeling alone, and if you're feeling like it's quiet in the house and that you just want that companionship, that might be a yellow light to say, maybe I'm dating for the wrong reasons and I need to get used to this singleness and just use it as an opportunity to really embrace my kids and my career and my community and whatever that is that you're anchored to. Because sometimes if you just go to another person right away, it's not going to be a healthy outcome in the immediate. Not in all cases, but I'm just talking generalizations here. The second pathway is more of that my mom's route where she was so committed to the dynamic of now that I have hurt my kids, I'll never hurt them again by making them share their their love or their mom with another person that is a stranger to them. And so she put off the idea of dating and relationship and really almost to a fault where I probably, we could have engaged and seen the the writing on the wall where my stepdad and mom got married sooner than they did, but they were so cautiously aware of the impact on us kids. And that prolonged waiting was almost to the point of, wait a minute, you guys we're we're in college now and we're on our own and you need to, you know, you deserve this. And, and what are you waiting for? It kind of became that time frame of why, why, your caution is actually not helpful to me. That's what I'm trying right. to say there. And so, but the one thing, regardless of the timeline that I would say is make sure that you leave room for autonomy for each child. Because one of the things that I think happens is the moment that you get butterflies for somebody else and you're forging a, an adult romantic connection that kids don't understand or that they're not a part of and nor they shouldn't be a part of, you begin to ascribe your family unit as an extension of your heart. And so, for example, you're meeting this person who's bringing the parent butterflies, but the kid anger. And you say to the kid, I've come to know your mom or your dad so well. And I, I love you guys. You know, you're just a part of your mom. And I'm so happy that you're, I get to know you because you remind me of them. And and it almost is like, I get the intent because it seems like you're a package deal and I can't express my care for your parent if I don't express my care for you. But if you can see those two relationships totally independent, I think you'll have more success and nurture the romantic context, the romantic adult boundaries as you would and allow the children to kind of date you as well in their own time, at their own pace, with their own language and core. Because if you immediately project that you care about them like you do for their parent, it's it's seen in most cases as very dishonest and a little bit of presumptuous. You know, mm-hmm. like, I'm not my parent. I'm not my mom. You don't love me. You hardly, you don't know me. So you can do this thing with my mom, but you're going to have to date me as well before you expect some sort of organic bond. 
So that a little bit of the my experience that I've I've found some consistencies with in other stories as well. That's such great. That's great advice for the person who is dating someone who has children after divorce. That's where that is great advice to think through, to have that relationship with the child and not to just glom it on to the other party and to give them, I liked what you said, a chance to date you. And I feel like I could like jump in and talk to you for hours about step parenting, but the time is ticking. And I I just want, I know it's probably going to be hard to be brief on this, but in the beginning, we talked a little bit about how when I do a divorce mediation for someone, my hope is that they're never back in that seat again. And I know that would take years maybe for us to really get into talking about it, but can you give a little bit of hope and advice on that? I love your question. I love the heart of your question because you're spot on that we often fall in the romantic narrative of society for the wrong or the right person myth. It's this idea that out of the billions of people on this planet, that there's one single right person that we can magically find and get along with to build a legacy with. And I just find that to be really disadvantageous because it's not the right person that deems a healthy relationship. It's the right patterns and the right behaviors and the right words and the right mindset. And I think if we can, one, take ownership of our role in the divorce, I think humans as a whole lack the capacity to take that ownership and be brave and say, I played a role in this. And it's much easier to blame and shame the other party and do it's all your fault. So the first step is, I would say, look at yourself with a very objective lens, find some people who who you can hear hard things from and say, what did I do that contributed to this in a way that I know I need to change before another person enters in? Because the other person that you find is not going to be the magic pill that makes your life harmonious. And as a matter of fact, it's even more challenging the second time around, according to the data, because of the difficulty sometimes in in blending your lives together. However, once you've taken ownership then you need to commit to equipping your tool belt, your toolbox with proven relationship strategies that can be measured and that can have an impact. And don't be ashamed of finding those skill-based workshops or going to counseling or asking yourself, what am I seeing in my legacy that contributed to these patterns of splitting up? And what are my non-negotiables moving forward? And I just think that we're disillusioned by romance and instead we need to be a little bit more realist and realist behaviors and realist work ethic kind of gives you the romance that you're seeking. So start with the real and then build the romance as opposed to believe in the romance and then work on the real. And I think if you swap that prioritization, you're going to be on a really nice trajectory and also just giving yourself the space to say, this isn't what I wanted. I didn't sign up for this. And it's hard on everybody involved. Give yourself the space to really own that loss and to say, I did, I lost something here, but I'm not forever lost. My identity isn't lost. My value isn't lost, but this dream and this commitment is actually lost. And so what am I going to go do to find it again? And if you keep finding the same thing, you're going to lose it again. I just want to say, I like how you were talking about take ownership in your role in the divorce. And I want to take a step back 
and say that sometimes when people come to me, it's kind of the flip side of what you're saying. I tell them sometimes if they can work on themselves, they can save their marriage. Amazingly enough, sometimes when you start doing work with counselors or coaching to be a better person, the other partner jumps in and is doing it too. I just wanted to add that because I feel like it's a little bit related to what you were saying. I would agree with that for sure. It's powerful to say I was wrong and I have hurt you and Mm -hmm. I, I haven't been attending to your needs or I'm a part of this dialogue because relationship only happens between two people or more can't have, you know, it's interpersonal because there's two or more parties involved and that's not one-sided, but we make it one-sided. We, we like to villainize those that have hurt us and pretend that we haven't played any role in it. And for those listening that, that think, man, you don't know my story. You have no idea the toxic behavior that, that I've put up with. And I've always been the bigger person. And I've, I have so much compassion and empathy for that story as well. Yet, even if it's 1% of the 100% of things that went wrong, statistics are not on your side that you are 100% perfect in this relationship. And so if you can find the small percentage of things that maybe you contributed to, even in allowing for this behavior to be, you know, that's what I was just thinking, breaking those boundaries of saying, well, I actually put up with this tone or sarcasm for 10 years. And I was Mm -hmm. always the butt of a joke. And I never stood up for myself and I'm not going to do that again. That's ownership. That's a part of this the problem. And that just sets you up for a better future relationship. Hey friends, you may have heard me mention my swan analogy, how mediation is a lot like a swan gliding on a lake, not necessarily happy, not necessarily sad, but content, calm, and peaceful. I especially want this for my parents. And in custody cases involving alcohol, it can be very difficult to find peace of mind if you're fearful your child's safety is in jeopardy. Soberlink helps ease these concerns and improve child safety, which is why I recommend it to all my clients who raise concerns over a co-parent's alcohol misuse. Soberlink has remote alcohol monitoring technology, allowing parents to receive real-time alerts multiple times a day, ensuring the child is with a sober parent. Similar to mediation, Soberlink is time and cost-effective and worth every penny knowing your child is safe. To begin receiving real-time alerts that your child is safe, And to receive $50 off your device, visit www.soberlink.com slash different. So with that, we're like, I can't, so it's already been 30 minutes. And so we're winding down to that saddle up segment, Lauren, where I have my guests just give a piece of advice, a tidbit, something that they can do today moving forward to have a better life. What can you share? I love that you offer that. And I think it's so challenging to just pick one thing. But what gives me a lot of hope is that if we can stop thinking about life in relationship as a linear pattern, you know, you're born, you go to school, you get married, you have a family, you know, and then you go, you pass 
see life as more of a journey or opportunity with tributaries into a river than each one contributes to life that is water that's flowing in you. And sometimes divorce is seen as a very chaotic end point that you just have no future and you've failed at everything that you've put your heart into. And I want to free you all from that weight of that storyline and just consider it's a piece of trauma, a piece of crisis and heartache that manifests in all people's lives in different frameworks. And it's not the only human relationship experience that causes pain. If it happens to be yours, you're not alone and your life is not over. There's always life to be had and things to be learned. And the human heart is so tender and that's hard because it's full of pain, but it's also really good because it has the capacity to heal. And so your life is still in forward motion and try not to think of the linear milestones as successes or failures, but rather a piece of your narrative that's really beautiful. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. You've shared so many, so many insightful things. So if people want to get your book or get in touch with you, we'll have it in the show notes, but how is a good way? I'd be delighted if you'd like to dive into In Their Shoes. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, books, booksellers. Just a pro tip, if you put In Their Shoes and then the name Warren, it's a quicker search uh, just with the millions of books on Amazon I found. And just look for the umbrella and the galoshes. You know you're in the right place. And then I do have Facebook page and an Instagram at, at author Lauren Reitzema is Facebook and at Lauren Reitzema. That's L-A-U-R-E-N-R-E-I-T-S-E-M-A, both on Instagram and Facebook. And also just through the show notes and the connections and networks that Lisa's provided, I'd be happy to, to follow up and reach out if, if something struck a chord with you. All right. Wonderful. Well, Lauren, again, thank you so much. It was more than I ever even expected. Really, really great information. I feel like I may want to have you back on to go a little bit deeper into some of it, but it was so good and so helpful, just as I knew it would be. So thank you for taking the time to visit with us today. It's my pleasure and I'd be happy to come back. Just tell me when. Sounds great. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. You too. Hey, I just wanted to pop in here quick before this whole thing winds down. And I want to tell you about my parenting plan online course. It is for you if you are terrified that divorce is going to ruin your children. I'm here to assure you that you can co-parent really well together. And I have an online course that is going to walk you through a parenting plan. You will have a piece of your divorce done. If you want to work with a mediator, you can bring the paperwork in and that portion is complete. It's easy, affordable, quick, and effective. And it will be part of your divorce paperwork if you'd like it to. Or you can just use it to co-parent well with another parent. It goes over all the things that you may not be thinking of when you're in the midst of an emotional time like divorce. So please go to lisakoski.com, check on my online courses, and sign up for the Parenting Plan course now. Because when parents work together... They can mitigate the damages caused by divorce to their children. 
Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter. 